Welcome to Access Ideas, where we share insights and perspectives that spark curiosity, conversation, and inspiration. I'm Yana, and today I'm sharing my recent conversation with Garrick Tate. Garrick is an AI futurist, investor, and AI strategy consultant. He's the co-founder and CEO of Valhalla.team. With over a decade of experience as a successful entrepreneur, Garrick has founded companies spanning software development, outsourcing, and publishing. In today's conversation, Garrick highlights his perspectives on the future of AI and its practical application in business. We talk about building a culture of AI adoption on your team and the AI tools that can make a significant difference in your creative output. We reflect briefly on the nature of how AI might change how we communicate, consume, and share information while keeping in mind what current AI tools can and cannot do. We also explore the challenges of working with those who resist using new technology, and how you can immerse yourself in learning the tools that deliver real benefits in your personal and professional life. I'll give you a hint, it's all about having fun. And with that, I bring you Garrick Tate. Welcome to Access Ideas, Garrick. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Yana. I'm glad to be here. Can you tell us a bit more about why you founded Valhalla Team and your vision for the future? Yeah. So I, I founded Valhalla.team about six years ago. And I, I guess to get the, the full story, you have to know, I came to the Philippines when I was 18 years old. I had uh, founded a publishing company uh, with my brother and with my father. Nice. And that was about 10 years ago. We moved out here because we wanted to work with the, the people in person. And it was really a, a, a large adventure after having just, just graduated. And while we were here, some of my friends were in IT. I, I had no exposure to that. But the idea that you can make your job to make something dumb smart really, really intrigued me. Because a, a computer is like technically the dumbest thing that can exist. It's just ones and zeros. So one is like, I exist, a zero is I don't exist. And so it's, it's, it's really bootstrapping intelligence from the ground up and, and AI is on the cutting edge of that. And so uh, came here as exposed to a whole bunch of ideas and uh, about six or seven years ago started Valhalla. Uh, our first project was, was actually with, with AI and have uh, been building it from there. So what we do is we, we specialize in helping companies get acquired at higher valuations by essentially going through their systems and processes, figuring out where you can add automation, IT, or if they're building a new product, creating that, that software. That's the short version. What might be a really simple example of some of the changes that you make with IT and streamlining things? Yeah, so there's... Two flavors that can come in. One is some people want to build a new product from scratch to increase their valuation. This is typically when they want to digitize a part of their business. And that can be very challenging. There's a, there's a whole art to making sure that the IT does not add friction to the system where you don't, you know, things don't break down in the transition. Uh, so that's, that's one way. Um, and a lot of our clients are, are in that boat. Then the other one, which is a little bit newer offering that we're, we're doing is when we break down 
every step of the process in your business, put in a big diagram, and then we find the bottlenecks. Where can AI and automation be added effectively? Because you know, he who has a hammer, the whole world appears like their nail. Right now, you know, AI is a hot thing, but it doesn't necessarily solve every problem. And so you really want to make sure that you define the problem very well ahead of time and ask yourself, you know, is AI or automation or, or software the best tool here? Does it really need a much more human touch? How do we augment the human side? So once that breakdown is done, then we, then we figure out how to add IT, automation, AI, what have you. Well, we're definitely going to get back to this because we're going to go into more detail around how you can use AI tools strategically within your corporate or information-based organization and how to differentiate, how to figure out, you know, what, what is appropriate for AI use and what might not be the best. But first, I want to kind of encapsulate the <laughs> whole topic of AI, which is maybe setting myself up for the impossible, Ambitious. but <laughs> the state of AI in the world. In a recent AI Sentinel podcast, I loved how you compared AI with the advent of electricity in terms of the impact and scalability. I thought that was such a great analogy and really helpful in helping me envision how relevant it is to so many parts of our lives. Maybe you can expand on that a little bit and repeat that analogy here. Yeah, so a you know, people think that you know where we are right now there's there's no historical precedence. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Ray Dalio perspective that you know once in a lifetime things happen you know every 40 to 80 years. So often things that seem brand new are are part of a wider cycle. You know having a first child, there's a lot of wisdom from from our ancestors on on uh, that process, but the, it might be our first time experiencing it. And I think that while there's no arguing that some things are different, there's a lot of clear, clear analogies from where we are now to where we, we've been. And when it comes to AI, I think that the, the best analogy is at the turn of the 1900s when electricity and power became proliferated throughout civilization. So when basically when the power grid was set up primarily at the time in, in the Western world. So all of a sudden, uh, electricity just meant we basically democratized work or power, the ability to do, to do work across time. So all of a sudden, Everything we just added electricity to, you know, m many millionaires were made because they just had, you know, a, a hammer business and then they just, uh, no, no, hammer business, that's a terrible uh, way to say it. You know, they <laughs> might have had construction companies and they just added electricity to it. Or they were in manufacturing, they just added electricity um, in, into that. And so a hammer became a jackhammer, a, uh, a saw became a power saw, um, a carriage became a, a car. The very first cars were electric. Anything and everything had electricity added to it, and it completely changed our civilization. Fast forward to where we are today, a similar thing is happening, but with intelligence. AI, now with GPUs and electricity going through those GPUs, we can, we can put a price tag on a rudimentary, and, and in the beginning, I really don't want to confuse where we are right now. It's, there's a long way to go from where we are and, and human intelligence, even though it does a very good job of, of mimicking it, it's kind of like uh, there are certain orchid plants out there that do not have pollen, but they mirror a pollen plant, so then flies and, and bugs crawl on them. So a lot of what we're doing here is the AI adopting 
illusionary forms of intelligence. I don't want to uh, confuse that for, for where we need to go, and we can expand on that if you'd like. But effectively, we, we have a, a form of intelligence. Our civilization is totally being rocked by that because we it's now democratized. It can be added to anything. So taking the, the jackhammer example, you, you can add intelligence to that to detect what is the force necessary to, you know, break the, the stone beneath it, how much, you know, how to conserve power, how to do it faster. And, you know, we're coming there into like IOT and such, but the, the examples are, are limitless. Yes. And, you know, this is such a, an expansive topic and I know we could go in all directions. And one of the most common themes that comes up is, you know, the fear of AI and the danger and all that. I'm going to leave that for another day. Lots of people have talked about it. My philosophy here is that it's here and I want to know how to use it. And I want people in my life to know how to use AI for the benefit of their business, their family, their personal life, because it's not going away. You can't put it back in the box. And frankly, I see so much positive potential. Um, that's not to say that I don't respect regulatory bodies. I fully expect that that will be catching up constantly. I think that's important. But I don't really want to get into that today because I think there's so much discussion of that already. And I'm really excited about talking about the potential of AI and using it in very practical ways. Maybe we can talk a little bit about building a culture of AI adoption. So thinking about positioning yourself and your team and your company for AI in a way that's going to set you up for success. And maybe I'll start with another phrase that you've used, which is your brain is 32% less likely to be creative in a fear state. I love that phrase because it captures the fear that so many people have about AI. And I think it, it sends them down a path of paranoia sometimes, to be frank. But I think when we can see beyond that, when we can be creative and we can use AI to be creative and enhance our creativity, that's where the potential lies. So going back to that original question, let's talk about how you position yourself and your team and your company for AI adaptation, adoption, success, growth, all the things. Let's go into it. <laughs> Incredible. So the, the place I always get started with my clients, and I, I should preface this, is that primarily the clients that, that I work with are um, more than small to medium uh, style of business, you know, between 10 to 10 to 100 employees. The place that I recommend all my clients get started with and the place where really I got started with because uh, I, I felt, you know, things were moving so fast at the very beginning of 2023. You know, right now we're in August 2023, um, but it feels like just yesterday, like November, de December of last year, you know, things were just blowing up and already by February, I felt like I'm already behind the, the curve. Like, <laughs> like people are coming out with applications and developers are using it. And I said, oh gosh, there's an API here. What do I do? And to people who I think can identify with that, even now, I would, first of all, just say we are still very much on the ground floor of this. I think that there's a logarithmic curve of, of people working on these things. And it can be easy to mistake yourself for someone who is not the ground floor, that you know, progress is already being made, you'll never catch up. Take that completely out of your head and just, just throw that in the trash. We're very much on the ground floor, and there's um, incredible opportunities still to, to be made and a lot of competitive advantage to 
to get from this. So maybe just to be clear for listeners, another way of, of saying this is that you're not too late. You're not too far behind. There's opportunities that you can take today to start using AI tools strategically and practically. And there's so much potential left. There's, it's not like you've missed your chance. <laughs> exactly. And the place to get started is, is to carve out that Friday afternoon, that the one that you've been putting off to just sit down and go, go deep. I think a lot of people at this you know, phase, and this is going to change, right? You know, right now we're in August 2023. Five years from now, we're going to be in a completely different environment. But right now, where, where I see so many people is they've played with it as a novelty. They're maybe a monthly user, but they're not using it, ChatGPT, very actively. Or even if they are, they've they've just started using it in some of their own workflows mm-hmm. and they haven't gone deep. I, so many of my friends I've, I've talked with about this stuff, uh, you know, oh, you're the AI, you know, guy, you know, tell me, tell me about this stuff. And, and the phrase that keeps coming up is I need to carve out that Friday afternoon. I need to carve out that Sunday afternoon. And you really do need to put that on the calendar and, and get it done. And when going deep, I would recommend going deeper than just with ChatGPT interface. There's a whole universe of tools, tools out there. Have you um, been using any AI tools on on your side, Jana? Like with with Descript or anything else? Uh, we use Descript for the podcast. It's incredibly helpful, and even since yes. we started using it, they've made all kinds of improvements. It's it's radically improved how we edit, how we even take notes, summarize things. I personally also love using ChatGPT most days. I'm somebody yep. who who kind of just constantly wonders about things and it's just so handy to have it there to say oh you know what are some ways that I could use these ingredients to make dinner or you know some really simple practical things but then also the other day I was asking you know what are some useful prompts for chat gpt to learn something quickly because I find myself still thinking a little bit too much like someone who uses Google and types in something more general and and then hopes for a good result. And I'm learning more and more that the prompts are what bring you the better results. And it's a learning curve still for me, but I, I have fun with it. What are some other tools though, Garrick? Like Let's just say, uh, like, if you're not a coder, maybe, but you you work in information technology or you work at an IT company or even just, you know, a corporation, what might be some tools that could really enhance and make life efficient? Yeah, so a lot of what you want to do, especially if it's text-based, can, can be done inside of ChatGPT. But prompt engineering is becoming its own art form because of how much effort it can take sometimes to get the right response, you know, garbage in equals garbage out. And for, for me, like the analogy kind of is like, if you work with employees or, or with team members and you have a, a very complex vision in your head, how much work sometimes it takes and how much back and forth it takes to really get everyone on the same page, it can be immense. And, and ChatGPT really is like a helpful, very knowledgeable, very well-educated teenager. They, they really have to be walked through what is you're, you're wanting them to achieve. So there are certain tools out there that are built to aid in that process. So some tools include Jasper, which specializes a lot of back-end, really, you could think of it as middleware prompts, to improve the copywriting of it and to also guide you to construct the the proper prompts for writing blog articles or sales letters or um, sales copy. 
And Jasper is is very much the, the gorilla in the market, but there's a lot of other tools out there like Writer or, or other things. If you just type in like Jasper alternatives, freaking 20 will, will, will pop up. Some of them very, very affordable and, and decent quality. There's also really good Chrome extensions out there that you can be playing with. Now, Chrome extensions, I think a lot of this is is pretty shady at, at the moment, and some of them are, are probably scraping a lot of data. When I was testing some out, I just noticed my browser started crashing, which was not so good. So definitely uh, be cautious with that and, and be quick to turn them off or to read reviews. The other thing I recommend is that you know, ChatGPT itself is coming out with all sorts of new features. I'm personally subscribed to the $20 a month model, which allows me to use their plugins as well. Uh, there are tools there like Prompt Perfect that when you uh, use that plugin, it will take your prompt and then restructure it into what it thinks you're, you're trying to do. It is constructing more complex prompts, thinking like a prompt engineer, uh, which can really take your game to, to the next level. Even if you don't pay for, for that and just use the base model, new features are still coming out. I think just recently, custom instructions came out, which you can think of that as a derivative of the persona method. So the, the persona method is where you describe in exacting detail what the large language model should behave as. Right, like write like me based on this paragraph. Yes, or like you are Yana's assistant. You you represent access ideas. You are playful, great conversationalist. You you know come up with great marketing ideas. You know, things of that nature. So you can you can add that into custom instructions, and then all of of your conversations with ChatGPT will act like that. You're really changing its personality, its default personality with custom instructions. So there's a whole world of tools. I think that's enough homework for someone listening. Carve out the Friday afternoon and start start playing with these things. And the best part is I find it fun. So for me, it's just, you know, you can take a more technical approach. And I think watching some tutorials can be great as well, just mm-hmm. to guide guide the approach. But have fun with it too. Keep having fun. Keep challenging yourself. Um, maybe we can pivot now, though, to talk a little bit about the ideas that you've shared in the past recently around helping your organization to engage with AI in a more lasting way. So um, maybe you can start by describing the difference between a bottom-up versus a top-down approach when it comes to AI adoption. Absolutely. Well, one thing there, though, you said just captured captured me so much. I want to uh, just put it. Yeah, put a, yeah, please. A note in that. I I think what you said is so important around having fun with with these applications. Is that you know when when you are feeling playful or when you're feeling excited, your brain is going to make the most creative leaps. You're going to be able to connect the dots far faster. It's going to be um, self motivating and. Of, of everything we listed off, and you, know, you just type in you know, new AI tools on a YouTube, see what people pop up, find the things that you find exciting, and just go all in on that. You know, this is not a, a homework checklist that you have to be going through. You should be following your, your excitement, and then that is invariably going to lead to a more holistic picture when you're patient. Yeah, and, and just going back to what you were saying before, Garrick, think about what matters to you. So even if you can't think of a work application or something that you need to get done immediately, maybe you want to create, like I just used the example of ingredients, you want to create a new recipe for yourself, or you want to create a list of reasons to meet your goal for something. It will do that. 
And it's kind of inspiring and energizing because if you sat down and tried to do that first thing in the morning, I'm pretty sure it would be more challenging. And when you see how it makes sense, quite often it's, you know, it's not perfect, but it is really enhancing, I would say. It just, it kind of keeps the momentum going in your thought process. And I find that's what it's been most helpful for me is giving me a sense of something to react to, something to think about. So it might not be the final product that I use for, you know, whether it's a written piece or whatever, but yes, have fun, play with it. If you're not having fun, what's the point anyway? Just have fun with it. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) So let's go back to that that idea about encouraging your colleagues um, or other people in your organization to get comfy with ChatGPT and other tools that Garrick has mentioned. And I'll link to Garrick's website and there's some other great resources on there, some some discussions, some presentations, so you can learn even more through that. But let's let's go back to that idea of the bottom-up versus the top-down approach. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so for me, there there's two ways to add AI into a company. And and I think that when they come to the final implementation step, there, there's a lot of overlap. But for me, the bottom approach is when you are leading by example and you're encouraging your, your team members to be adding AI based on what they, they see fits. You're, you're not making these big sweeping declarations of now we're going to be using AI here and this is how we're going to be doing it. You're letting people explore the tools for themselves. You're leading, Like I said, you're leading by example. You're communicating with them. I think that the, the way you navigate this is similar to any digital transformation. Uh, it starts with creating compelling vision, listening to them, understanding what their, their, their questions or, or concerns would be. And then you recognize and you reward their, their progress as they start using AI or you start giving them tasks and saying, hey, this is an area to use ChatGPT or this is an area to use Jasper or use that subscription. Um, you, you reward that progress. Actually, I can, I can expand on one yeah, please. bonus exercise most companies can do. One thing that I think can be a lot of fun, especially if you've built a level of trust with, with your employees, is you can make a prize and for a brainstorming session, people contribute what they can be doing to save time with AI and they contribute that into a central database. This is something we did in our EA company, uh, Executive Assistant, where we created a database where people fed in all the tasks they could do with AI into a central database. And I think we handed out some prizes for the people who contributed the most ideas, the p- person who contributed the, the, the idea that had the most upvotes. And so that was a way of making kind of a game of people that were incentivized to, to come up with their own ideas. So that's an example of, of a bottom-up approach. So actual examples that they've used or they've, they're planning to use. Exactly. And so uh, I think Alex Ramosi he came up with a video of he made like like a like a prize pool for anybody who could quote unquote replace themselves with AI. And if you create a compelling vision for people around why the job they have is safe, why what they're doing is going to be a net positive for them, why it's going to keep them ahead of the curve, why it's going to actually increase their job security because they're going to be the people who are being amplified as opposed to people who are being weeded out. They're going to lean into that in, in the exciting, playful way that that you would be hoping for if your company is, let's say, more toxic or, or, or else just feels less safe. And obviously, people aren't going to 
be able to put in their, their best creative effort. They're going to be afraid. And when you're afraid, you're, you're, you're just unable to be your best. Mm-hmm, exactly. Going back to that, your brain is 32% less likely to yes. be creative. <laughs> I think too, you know, there is such a misconception around AI taking jobs, but when it's working well, right now anyways, it's there to liberate some of the most boring parts of our jobs and 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 give us time and liberate our time to to be more creative. So thinking about the examples you've already listed, you know, people can expedite that creative task by giving themselves ideas or generating ideas that they're not having to come up with from scratch. It's not as onerous as looking at the blank screen. I think that's really what I keep noticing anyways. Maybe go back to though the top-down approach. So this is a methodology I walk through with, with my clients. And it starts off with mapping out your business process, specifically from the customer journey perspective, starting from then becoming a lead to becoming qualified, making the sale, the, the entire sales process, going into as much detail there as you can, going from there into onboarding, ultimately fulfillment, fulfillment towards uh, a outcome that they're extremely happy with, and then from there going into generating referrals or going back you know, through, through the cycle all over again. And when you, when you map out that, that diagram, you get a lot of clarity on where are the handover parts. And if best case scenario, you can add data to that of where uh, bottlenecks are forming or where there's a lot of people falling out of your, your cycle. Those are the areas where you can then say, how can we add AI here to either A, reduce the errors or increase the quality assurance, increase the quality. Where are the areas where we are just at capacity that we wish we could hire, you know, 20 new SDRs or, or, or closers or uh, customer support agents? You know, where, where can we, uh, do we just lack capacity? And when you find those areas, very often AI, if you are clever with it, can be added in either in a way that's just empowering your your employees, like giving them um, access to tools, or a lot more, in my opinion, exciting is you can figure out how to add AI with no code tools. Uh, so you, you don't have to code, you don't have to be a developer, but you add in AI with some automation to help lessen the burden where your your uh, team is is overwhelmed or at capacity. Maybe now is a good time too to talk about the ideas that might work well with AI. So what can be prompted? What what inputs work well with the AI tools we currently have and what don't? So this goes back to what you were saying about the human approach and creativity and, and people feeling a bit apprehensive about AI potentially threatening their jobs. Let's dive a little deeper there. Perfect. Yeah, let's 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 do it. And I'll first explain how we evaluate what are the areas where AI performs really really well, and then we'll we'll talk uh, with some examples of that in that top down approach. So the the absolute bottom line for answering the question is this an area I can a- add AI or is is this not an area? Is is a scenario that you are you know, working in, does it have clear inputs and does it have clear outputs? So for me, 
a great example of that is the separation between a good financial analyst and a bad financial analyst is how many inputs are they taking, especially the non-obvious inputs. So if you have a financial analyst that is checking the boxes, that is you know, doing an okay job, they'll, they'll read your P&L statement, they'll give you a report. But a, a great financial analyst will sit down with you, really understand what your goals are. They're going to understand what your risk tolerance is from interviewing you, talking with you, future planning with you, understand why things in your business are the way that they are. And when all that information is in mind, then going over the P&L, creating the report, you know, it's going to actually be serving what you're hoping to get out of it because they'll, they'll understand. And so that that is all the inputs of talking with you, of being being a human, you're know, looking at your facial expressions, whether it's in person or video or what have you. That's the, the data they're going to be drawing on without even knowing it. So with these tools like, like ChatGPT, for me, it's not so much that they're there's some like esoteric spark that they're not accessing. It's that there are, there are inputs that they are not, not receiving. And so only those situations where all the context can be given are the areas where you can add AI. Now, you can get very clever about how you provide the context, and we can talk about that because there's a, there's a very broad set of, of tools out there to get more context into it. But that's that's really necessary in order for the process to work. You know, garbage in equals garbage out. Yeah, let's get more specific. What would give you greater context or ability to to get better outputs? So let's let's take for example a person going through a we could say a sales funnel or let, let's say a recruitment funnel because the recruitment funnel is is actually where we've uh, personally added it the most in, in, in one of our companies and it's uh, pretty much the same as a sales process. Um, using AI to, to increase employment, um, as it were. <laughs> so in, in a recruitment funnel, some of the inputs that you would want the AI to keep into its awareness is the email thread of what have been all the emails back and forth. Now, it's still ultimately just a form of a prompt. Like you still have to be putting on your prompt engineer hat and asking, how do I format this? You know, does every email get separated by separators? How do I, I give it that context in a way that it can find readable, in a way that a human could find readable? But you can, you can add in the email thread that's been set up to that point. Another is what are your company's policies? If people are asking questions, do you have an FAQ? If you do have written policies that address people's questions, that would be fantastic context. You would want that to be an input into this AI. You know, somebody's asking, you know, what are the, the leave day policy? Well, the AI doesn't know your company's leave day policy. Why, why should it? Um, so what you can do for that is you can create what's called a knowledge base. Knowledge bases are, are very easy to create on tools. Um, I'm imagining like, chatbot tools like BotPress. Um, if you are interested in, in doing this, you can build one of these things in the afternoon. Uh, I think BotPress's tools are, are particularly really good for getting examples of this. There's also a fantastic video by Liam Oatley. If you search AI persona, he created a chatbot in the, in the style of, of um, oh God, what's that very famous productivity YouTuber, Ab, Abdu Ali Abdal. That was it. So, so Liam Oatley made a video sh 
showing how to create a chatbot in the style of Ali Abdal, where what he did is he took all of the transcripts of what Ali Abdal had been saying in all of his podcasts, all of his recordings, everything that he got his hands on. And there's probably a lot more content out there that he didn't get, but he got enough that he was satisfied. And then he created what's called a knowledge base. That's where you feed it into a, a model that every time a prompt is similar enough to some section of those transcripts, those transcripts are then included inside of that prompt. So let's say you're, you're talking with a chat bot that's AI-empowered, and you ask it, how do I be more productive? And it takes that phrase, you know, be more productive, and it sees where in Ali Abdul's transcripts does it find words most similar to that? Or where does it find... Actually, this is a, the magic of knowledge bases. It's a lot more than just a Control-F search. It's, it's, um, it's a multidimensional vector database, which is a, a way we have found algorithmically to basically put Control-F on steroids, where it's not just the words, the exact you know, characters, but in fact, it's really the meaning of the words and how the words interrelate. So it's just Control-F on steroids. So kind of, if I'm understanding correctly, it's finding other instances where he's talked about productivity maybe in somewhat different language but it's finding that same context or subject matter and collecting it and sharing it again that's exactly right yeah so if if you had prompted the chat bot how do i be more productive it goes to the transcripts it takes out the excerpts or the paragraphs um, or actually they call it the chunks, the chunks mm -hmm. that are related to that. And it puts it at the bottom of the <laughs> of, of the prompt. So yeah. then all of a sudden the prompt that it's still chat GPT. I mean, underneath the hood, you you know, you can pretend like it's your own fancy uh, uh, model, but you're you're just using the open AI API. Very easy to learn, actually. I, I would I one of the first things I do to to have people level up their game is I recommend they check out what's called the open AI playground. You don't have to code to learn the API. If you're on the playground, just play with it for like two hours. Um, you're, you're going to understand the API absolutely without having to write any code. But uh, going back to the chatbot example, it will then include Ali Abdul's chunks in the prompt. So then ChatGPT will respond like it's Ali Abdul. You're giving the same information. It's just going to reshuffle it as as a human would actually say it, or as, as ChatGPT would say it. So it's a much more coherent message that comes comes out. So that's a way you can feed in a lot more context than you would think about your company, about your, your policies, because your policies and FAQs could be inside of the knowledge base. So it's really about creating a context-dependent ChatGPT for your own organization. So you're, you're taking the power of a, of a ChatGPT-like tool or series of tools and you're giving it your organization's information. So the example you used before was, what is my leave policy? Well, like you said, ChatGPT is not going to know that. But if you've created this tool for your organization, it's going to search the knowledge base and say, oh, you know, you have you know, three weeks once uh, every, rolling over every 12 months or something. Yeah. So something like that. So it's it's the idea that you can take these, these open AI tools and really use them for a private company, a public company too, of course. But I think the other interesting element here, well, one other interesting element is deciding, you know, how are you going to add value? So this this database idea is, is definitely something that most companies are going to benefit from. But there's also things like Zapier or Zapier, which, yep. what's the correct pronunciation of that, of that company? Uh, I believe it is... 
Oh man, I always forget. I was, <laughs> I was, I believe it's Zapier. Zapier. So, if we use something like Zapier, you can have all kinds of, uh, and maybe actually you explain this because I've listened to the description, but I can't quite articulate it now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, let's 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 bring it all all together. So you can, if your organization is queried a question that you want to answer automatically. So let's say you want to build a chat bot or you want to automatically respond to emails because your organization is just overwhelmed with way too many recruits. You know, still taking the recruitment example, way too many people are asking these questions. You can connect your email platform, your 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 Outlook or your G Suite or whatever, using a tool like Zapier. Or make.com. Personally, we use make.com. I'm a big fan of it. But uh, I recommend most newbies start with Zapier. So we'll just we'll just focus on that. So what Zapier does is it's a an automation platform, which is really just, honestly, it's just an integration platform. So why do I say integration? It's because it will take the inputs from one platform and it will feed those inputs into another platform. So every time it receives an email that maybe passes some special filter or whatever, it then takes all the context from that email and it feeds it into ChatGPT. Or if we're being fancy here, the way we would actually do it is it would feed it first into a knowledge base to get the context. Mm-hmm. You could use, do this with, with a tool like Pinecone or, or other things. And everything I'm describing here, you can actually do with no code. You don't have to write code at all. You have to think through these things logically. You have to think through them step by step. And you are going to make mistakes as you go through it. But the, the internet is available to you to, to learn examples. You know, new tutorials on this stuff is coming out every single day. So just don't expect to come up you know, with, with it you know, absolutely on your first try if it's your first time doing this. But once you get the hang of it, you can... you know build one of these things out in just a couple of hours, like the entire process, very, very quick. So getting back to it, what Zapier would do, take the input from the Gmail, feed it into a vector database or, or a knowledge base, um, get the context from that, then it would feed it to ChatGPT, still just a prompt, still just what you would put into the, the user interface, the user's question, and then the context. Then ChatGPT comes up with an email response, and maybe inside of that prompt at the very top, you have a static header, like below you will find an email from an employee, or sorry, from an applicant. Uh, you will write a response that will answer their questions and suggest that the next step is X, Y, Z, you know, fill out this form or go here, schedule this interview, whatever. So that's your header, then their emails below it, and then the context from your organizations below that. ChatGPT will come up with a response, and then it will automatically put into Gmail. You might be uncomfortable initially just sending out things with, with your name on it that you haven't reviewed. So what I would then recommend that this integration platform is, is it takes the output from ChatGPT, puts it back into the email, but puts it in as a draft. So then your organization, uh, any member of your organization can go through and double check and and see if you're getting the the responses you want. If not, you just go in and edit the Zapier, edit the, the, the cycle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's a really practical way of integrating different tools and outputs and, and, and information. I kind of, I want to go down a bit of a more philosophical path for a moment because I've been thinking a lot about this. I am a communications manager. I write communications all day. And the more I explore AI and I hear about the potential, um, you know, even with something like Microsoft's Pilot or um, or is it Microsoft's Copilot, I think? Copilot, yep. yep. Copilot, Yeah. So when I hear about things like Microsoft's Copilot, I start to think eventually most of what is written will be written and read by 
AI tools, and, and that's great. What will we as human beings want to read or absorb? And how mm-hmm. will the format, how will the text that we read or hear or speak potentially uh, be formatted? Because <laughs> everything, uh, you know, eventually at some point, will we really need email if we can just have our assistant, our AI-generated assistant yeah. say, you know, these are three things you need to do today. So-and-so wants you to send them money. Uh, you, you know, you, you have to remember to, you know, walk your dog at this time, whatever. Like, I just, I really am, my mind is a bit blown by thinking about the way in which we currently correspond. And there's still a huge reliance on email. Um, and obviously, direct messaging apps, and that's all great. Have you given any thought to that? And if you haven't, it's okay. But I guess because I'm in comms, I think about this so much. And I think sometimes our executives going to read executive summaries if they can have a, a, you know, a tool summarize it for them in their own preferred style. Yeah. I mean, the, the way that I onboarded my, my personal assistant, and I was, I was very scared to, uh, to onboard somebody because, uh, you know, you know, ego or whatever else. I'm like, oh no, I, I'm my life is far too complicated. How would I even, you know, like get started? And it and uh, it gets started by first just having her attend all of my weekly meetings and then go over all my communications. And fuck, sometimes she's smarter than me. Like, like she'll come up with like better responses to people and and better things because she was given the broader context. And so I think that there is going to be a wave of AIs that come out. They're not going to be just maybe underneath it, it's still going to be a lot of chat GPT, but the inputs are going to get so much more complicated where imagine a, a an AI that ran only on your local host. And I think, I think a part of this, you know, the privacy becomes needs to be front and center. We would want this to be a much more decentralized tool because it's, it's an order of magnitude. It's an order of magnitude scarier, at least from my perspective, you know, how, or context would be given. You know, tools like Google already have context across platform, but, but I think this takes it to another level. So we can create tools that could read all of your transcripts, be on all your conversations, be on all, all of your communications, and then give you give you summaries. And I'll give you a, a weird example that comes to mind with this. Did you know that in the newest versions of Tesla's autopilot, in, in Tesla, the, the car manufacturer, um, they removed most, if not all, of the fancy sensors outside of the visual cameras. So before it had LiDAR, sonar, everything. And then it removed all of them because it found that our environment on the road was really just optimized for human vision. Right. So while all the sensors, you would think that having the extra sensors would, would make a big difference, effectively, because the, the environment was optimized for human vision, human vision was enough. Mm-hmm. Just having eight cameras was was enough. That for me was mind blowing, because you know they they had the investment to come. Like this was not just a way to like cut costs. This was a way to simplify the process. And so I find it really interesting and intriguing the idea that our AIs would talk with each other and they would give us summaries. But in that communication, it might be very, very human. It might be a human under hypnosis. It might be a human that gives too much data and then you know, it needs to be tr- knowing that it's going to be trimmed down later. But it's the idea that it's going to be, yeah, very, 
very human readable, I find really interesting. Definitely. And just the increasingly personalized style in which communications, entertainment, media can be delivered. There was a recent Black Mirror episode about a woman who goes home, she turns on the equivalent of Netflix, and she realizes that the latest series is about her life. Scene for scene, it's exactly what happened that day, and she's horrified because she's not perfect like none of us are. But by the end, and spoiler alert here, sorry for anybody who wants to watch this, but the end reveals that she is actually in a show about a show about a show. So there's this 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 mirror effect of watching yourself as entertainment. And it's sort of a distorted or dystopian example of that ultra-personalized entertainment that we think AI could deliver to us. So let's say AI gets to know my preferences far beyond giving me a list of recommended movies. Now it's giving me movies or media that actually has, you know, specific phrases or characters that only I see crafted for me. You know, so that Black Mirror episode is a bit of a satire on that. It is actually pretty funny. I recommend it. But I do wonder about this in terms of the way that we communicate, um, the way that we connect with each other. Do you see potential for increased communication and connection? Like, what if we had our own personal reminder every day to say, you know, you haven't talked to this friend in so long and, you know, maybe you should send them a quick text and a note. Things that could help us be better human beings instead of just optimally efficient, if that makes sense. Yeah. I I think the ingredient that will get us further away from dystopia. I don't know if we want to aim for utopia, but certainly certainly try to try to aim away from from dystopia is the critical ingredient is that there is more choices for individuals to choose the AI tools that they let have access to their lives. And if you had asked me, you know, 3 months ago, I would think that we were a bit at a disadvantage there because it my assumption was that and this was an assumption of, of many people in the industry is that to build the really powerful AI tools you need a billion dollars. You know, open AI when they got a billion dollars from Microsoft, actually most people don't know this. Most of that was not cash. That was in an an uh, Microsoft Azure token. So Azure is their their server farm. So they, they like they, they got this big investment. It wasn't money, it was just server costs. So it was my view that you you could only build these things on on with a billion dollars, mm-hmm. and there's still some truth in that. Like you you have a big competitive advantage because truly you know intelligence has been broken down in, into the number of GPU cycles you have. But a about midway through this year, a a paper came out from from Google. They say it was leaked, but I don't think it was. Called we have no moat. And it was a it was a supposedly an internal document that was discussing the rise of of open source models, which had been quietly growing, growing in the background. So these open source models have become far more competitive at a at a fraction of a fraction of the cost. 
And that the big innovations that allowed that was a the leakage of Facebook's llama model. So we had a uh, the whole open source community had a a model that they could modify and build on top of that was truly open source in a way that open AI's models have not been since GPT two, I believe. And so now now the the community had that, and also certain training regimes with the innovations of Laura and Cinchilla, and there's probably some new ones that, that have come out since since I, I peeked into it, that have shown that the way we've been training these models so far has has not been optimally efficient. And so taking the llama model, fine-tuning it with with the methods found with the Chinchilla paper, which was a Google paper, and the, the Laura method, which I, I don't remember which company published that white paper, meant that the models like Vicuna, the, the two most popular open source models, if you want to run basically ChatGPT on your own local device, is Vicuna. I think is the one that most people can get access to. And another model coming out very soon is Orca, which I, I think looks very exciting. And these are outperforming 3.5. Nothing is really outperforming GPT-4. But for most people, what they really need, you know, 3.5 is actually more than good enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, these things are, are, are models that can run on, on a pretty beefy laptop, but they can run on your local host entirely. And so I have been blown away by that. I did not expect that. And I think that they really add an important ingredient that will move us away from dystopia, where mm-hmm. people have more options, and some of those options can run entirely on their local machine. Is it going to become a monopoly? You know, is power going to become consolidated or distributed? Uh, yet to, to be, you know, seen in the final cut, but... Um, there's more options than, than I thought before. So I find that very hopeful. I do too. And I think as well, if we're all becoming even at 5% better at creative work, that seems inevitably like a better result. I, I mean, I don't see how that would end in a worse result. Obviously, the unknown and, and you know, bad actors can play a role. So, But again, I don't want to get too much into the speculative dystopian side of things because that's been discussed so much. It's it's a well, well-known issue. But, you know, I'm not really one for conspiracy theories. I just, I think most people can barely get out of bed in the morning and be organized, let alone have a cabal that nobody finds out about for hundreds of years. It just doesn't seem likely to me. I don't know. The, the <laughs> way I think about it is that, is that, you know, you are not one person. You're, you're like, uh, you are a, col- a congress of different your desires. Some yeah. of them are very base, they're very in the back of the brain. And then the other parts are are parts that, you know, maybe are you know, can think more long term. They have hopefully more compassion and empathy and, and you want those parts in charge. And right now what we've the position we've been in is that we're on these platforms that are monetizing us and that means preying on the entire Congress. But it would be incredible is if when we're in our best, when we're occupied by the better angels of our nature, that we could have AI tools designed in that case that would modify my online experience. Like, you know, hey, AI, you know, block communications are about XYZ, you know, get rid of these types of advertisements, and you could be in the driver's seat of the type of content you wanted to consume or engage with online in a way that served your better angels, not your your worst demons. Yeah. And that, that's the that's the thing that preoccupies me as far as worry goes, if if, if anything, um, in this brave new world. 
Yes, yes. And well, if you had, you know, even a, like a more personal assistant level AI, you can say, you know, I, I'm really trying to accomplish X, but I, I notice I keep stalling or I keep procrastinating. What am I doing throughout the day on my computer or my phone that's, yeah. you know, taking up a lot of time that maybe I'm not realizing it? Because yes, you have the the total time use analysis at the end of the week, but sometimes there's little things that suck away your time that you're not really cognizant of. But I want to get back to the IRL, so to speak, in real life, real world <laughs> examples. What are some tangible ways that you've seen teams and clients come through or come up with amazing ideas through AI adoption and integration? Like, can you paint a picture there? Yeah, I think that the 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 two areas where teams are getting incredible value is A, realizing that AI is maybe the best brainstorming partner you're, you're ever going to mentally tango with. Um, nice. it, can, it can eliminate the blank canvas syndrome. It can um, come up with you know, 20 ideas on the spot. It can then give you feedback on your, your, your ideas. There's a, an idea of, of self-prompting, of creating a, a master prompt to then have the AI actually prompt you. So uh, like, hey, I want to create this sales letter. I want you to ask me these three questions in this order to then you know, mm. break down the problem. Um, and you know, if, if this sounds like a lot of work, well, the answer is it is a lot of work. But if you go online, lots of people are building these, these prompts. You know, I, I'm a big fan of not just getting your, your fingers in the pie, but actually looking at what other people are creating. So half of my time studying is playing with it myself. Half the time is watching YouTube tutorials and videos of other people creating this stuff and copying and pasting and seeing what works. And so using AI as the ultimate brainstorming partner and learning how to dance with it, just like you have to learn how to dance in the real world, it's going to have its own rules and, and, and you know, methods. You, you have to learn how to tango with it. That's one bucket and is accessible to anybody in any situation with knowledge work if, if text is involved. The other side is this more top-down approach that I was talking about earlier with breaking down your your business, or maybe you don't have a business, maybe you're a freelancer, or maybe uh, there's just areas in your life that you want to you wanna analyze or, or add AI, breaking down the, the flow and then finding what are the areas where errors are happening or where capacity is maxed out, where there are clear inputs. And those inputs, you can get creative with things like vector databases or email threads, or you can get you know really really simple, but adding AI automatically there to save you time. Those are are the two broad bottom up top down ways that I see people getting a lot of benefit from these tools. That's a great way to sum it up. What's next for you, Garrick? What plans do you have for the near or far future? Yeah, so uh, the the story so far is we've we've implemented AI across our three companies and it's come to really fantastic results um up to now we've our software company which spends occupies most of my time has been focused on building applications and software tools um but now kind of taking a little bit more of a broad business approach is something um, we're very excited for consulting with companies to increase their valuations i think that uh the moment where your business either gets acquired or you transition it to your employees or transition it to a family member is one of the hardest times of being an entrepreneur, but it's, it's a chapter ending. It's the thing that really matters. And so supporting organizations that are figuring out how to go through that transition to increase their valuation or increase their, their uh, transitionary ability. 
is where we're we're specializing how to add AI to to do those types of tools. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely have all of your contact info if anyone wants to reach out to you directly. Um, is there anything else you'd like to mention that I didn't ask you about today? I would just say if if you're if you're looking uh, if you're listening to this and you're looking for a partner to increase your business valuation, just reach out to me on on LinkedIn. On top of that, as far as the content of the of the episode, this has been a really fantastic conversation. I've really enjoyed how we've gone super practical. You know, I think we've gone more technical and and like specific than, than any other podcast I've been on. Just you know, this is how you would have this particular prompt, and these are you know the zaps that you would create, <laughs> and, and going from ultra practical to the ultra futurist, and really like where are we going? Big picture. Uh, this has been a really fun conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it as well. I know you only have the hour, but it's been absolutely packed with fun and information. And I feel like I want to go and prompt my little heart out now that I've had this conversation. Thank you so much, Garrick. Thank you. If you love Access Ideas, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review us on Podchaser via the link in our show notes or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Tell your friends about the podcast too. Until next time, thanks for listening to Access Ideas.